The labels went on everything. But when it started to be pink on things that are really unhealthy, that I think made a lot of people very nervous. Case in point, uh, alcohol clearly raises breast cancer risk. And I opened the in-flight magazine, and it says, Welcome to Delta Airlines. Uh, buy our pink martini, and we'll donate money to cancer research. And uh, you think, wait a minute. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, or a view, or a download. Wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here. This week, we will be continuing our month-long series, Let's Beat Breast Cancer. And as we welcome Dr. Neil Barnard back to the show today, he will be here to put some things into perspective, maybe give us a chance to look at things in a completely different light. So today we will be talking about the mass marketing of breast cancer awareness all throughout the month of October. Now, as we will discuss during the interview, nobody is saying that this is a bad thing. In fact, it's downright noble in most of these cases. It's noble that these companies are willing to bring awareness to a disease that will afflict one out of every eight women during their lifetime. But the thing is, the food that is proudly carrying these pink ribbons, if it's been classified as carcinogenic or otherwise proven to cause cancer, Isn't that a bit hypocritical? Whether it's red or processed meat, both of which have official classifications from the World Health Organization, or just a high-fat food or a high-fat diet, which research has also shown dramatically increases the risk of cancer. Dr. Barnard and I, we will be discussing that on the show today, a conversation which fits perfectly with our four steps to beat breast cancer. And to talk about the first step, world-renowned breast cancer surgeon Dr. Christy Funk is back on the program. She's here to talk about step one, which is to eat a plant-based diet. And research shows that people eating a plant-based diet generally have a lower body mass index. And Dr. Funk is going to talk about that and explain why the nutrient density of a plant-based diet is such a powerful cancer-fighting tool. Before we bring on Dr. Neil Barnard, I wanted to let you know that the Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign wouldn't be possible without the support of our partners like Forks Over Knives, What started out as a groundbreaking documentary has blossomed into a mobile app and a website filled cover to cover with resources and delicious plant-based recipes, all focusing on demonstrating how a plant-based diet can dramatically turn around chronic disease. Check them out online at ForksOverKnives.com. Also, Mama Says, the leading whole food plant-based prepared meal delivery company in the U.S., Mama Says, making it easier for you to be your healthiest self by delivering nutrient-dense meals right to your door. Place your first order at mamasays.com. That's M-A-M-A-S-E-Z-Z dot com. And 22 Days Nutrition, founded by green print author Marco Borges. 22 Days Nutrition promotes organic plant-based foods for a better you and a better world. Online at 22daysnutrition.com. Time now to bring Dr. Neil Barnard to the show. And this was an interview that we did as a Facebook Live broadcast where we took a closer look at the multi-billion dollar breast cancer industry, both the hits and the misses of it. It's a conversation that might make you see things in a little bit different light the next time that you step into the grocery store and you see aisles that are awash in pink. We call it When Pink Ribbons Push Carcinogens. 
Welcome to another Facebook Live edition of the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll sitting across the table once again from Dr. Neil Barnard. Thanks for joining us again today, my friend. Thank you, Chuck. This has been a very busy week here at the Physicians Committee. My first question is, how are you holding up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm holding up fine. The question is, how, how is the meat industry holding up? Because they got hammered uh, earlier in the week, as you know, because they were... Um, the, the whole idea was you should continue to eat meat and it won't hurt you. And boy, were they criticized. It was – I was really impressed with the coverage. The the journalist, I mean, was very impressed with the way that the producers, the reporters, the anchors all kind of like scratched their heads before they just went with what these articles said. You know, they were like, right. well – no, that's maybe, not what they're saying at all, you know? Yeah, maybe meat isn't so hot for you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. exactly. That's really what emerged loud and clear is is it's good to reduce it or better to throw it off your plate completely. Well, that was uh, Monday, Tuesday, and um, the conversation continues. But today we are continuing our Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign. That is the theme for the month here on the Exam Room Podcast, and an extraordinary effort that we're undertaking here at the Physicians Committee as well. And I wanted to bring you on today because every October, it just seems like you walk into the stores on October 1st and suddenly the aisles are awash in pink. You turn on the TV, every advertisement you see has a pink ribbon, a pink theme to it. And so I know that a lot of the products that these pink ribbons are are being put on, not necessarily the healthiest thing. Some of them are actually tied to cancer. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Yeah, it's. I have to say, it's been very troubling. Um, the businesses learned right away that if you put pink on things, people would feel that not only are they getting something they want to buy, but they're doing something good to fight breast cancer. And so the labels went on everything. You know, it could be pink shoes and pink hats and pink everything. But when it started to be pink on things that are really unhealthy, uh, that I think made a lot of people very nervous. Um, case in point, uh, alcohol clearly raises breast cancer risk. The more alcohol you drink, the, the higher your breast cancer risk. Like, like it or not, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm settling, settling back in my um, airline seat uh, on, a, on a business trip in October a couple years ago. And I open the in-flight magazine. And it says, welcome to Delta Airlines. Uh, buy our pink martini and we'll donate money to cancer research. And the next year, same thing. And uh, you think, wait a minute, um, this is part of selling products. Of course, the granddaddy of them all was uh, KFC, (laughs) putting the the pink bucket of chicken, uh, (laughs) eat our chicken, and and we'll, we'll donate to cancer research. Man, uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing a picture of uh, of that pink bucket and the colonel just all pink. I was like, it just doesn't seem to make a, a whole lot of sense. Matter of fact, as we were getting ready to do the show today, I was going through and I was like, okay, well, let me look at, uh, at the press releases. Let me look at the business wire and see who's doing what this year. And there was an Italian sausage company that is doing something called Servolata for a Cure. And it is literally Italian sausage, and they will donate a portion of the proceeds with every purchase of that uh, processed meat to breast cancer research. Uh, and, of course, they'll give you 5% off your order. But that's that's another thing. You know, processed meat tied very closely to cancer. Right. Um, when women consume processed meat, that's bacon, turkey bacon, sausage, chicken sausage, hot dogs, ham, all those things, they're strongly linked to breast cancer risk, as, as well as colorectal cancer and other types. But I got, I got to tell you, Chuck, um, it didn't start with Delta Airlines or KFC or even the sausage company. Uh, breast Cancer Awareness Month itself, people may not know how it started. It started with a company called Imperial Chemical Industries, which mm. is now AstraZeneca. Um, and why would Imperial Chemical Industries want to launch something for breast cancer? The whole message was get mammograms. A lot of women aren't getting mammograms, get more mammograms. And, of course, mammograms have a role in f- detecting cancer. Their motivation, in my opinion, was the more mammograms women would have, the more likely they were to find their cancer and the more likely they were to start taking the product that Imperial Chemical Industries sold. Mm. Chemotherapy. Right. Exactly. So um, if you're a big chemical company and you want more and more people to take chemotherapy, what do you do? You say, get as many mammograms as possible and start taking these drugs. Um, Now, however you feel about that, it's been a commercial enterprise ever since the beginning. And I will never forget, I was at one of the morning talk shows years ago, and I looked at the promotional packet um, all about for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And the whole idea was, what are we going to feature? What are our messages? And it was nothing about prevention. 
nothing about reducing your risk that cancer might occur, nothing about a healthy diet, nothing about exercise, nothing even about not drinking or none of that stuff. Right. It was all find it, find it, find it with with a mammogram. Um, And then, of course, after that, it got uh, co-opted by wearing pink clothes and raising money so that uh, researchers could do experiments of various kinds. And that's about as far as it went. And so our feeling was stop. If you do nothing else, let's at least empower people with information that they have that can reduce their risk. If you're, if you're not doing that, we're not taking it seriously. And that's got to be job one. Right. And, and that's a big part of why we're doing the Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign here. Matter of fact, you, you mentioned the four guidelines that we have for Let's Beat Breast Cancer, uh, which are uh, maintain a healthy weight, eat a plant-based diet, limit alcohol consumption. And lace up your sneakers. That's right. Get off the couch and, and move. Um, and and I got to tell you, Dr. Christy Funk, she's been on the show this month. By the way, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Wherever audio is, you can get the exam room. Uh, she was on the show earlier this week, and she just did an extraordinary job telling us all about the the campaign and why each of the four steps is so critically important. I want to stick with the food portion, maintaining a, a healthy diet, a plant-based diet. Obviously, dairy cheese, not on a plant-based diet, something we take very seriously here. And I know that we very much just this morning, breaking news, filed a petition with the FDA that had to do with that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, that's right. Uh how many women or men know that when they open the refrigerator and pull out their block of cheddar, that they're actually going to be eating hormones? They're going to be eating estrogens in particular. Um, they come out of the cow and they get into the to the cow's milk and they're concentrated as the milk turns into cheese. Um, the uh, amount is, is very small. And people will say this couldn't possibly make any difference. Um, but it does seem to have, to, to have an effect. And so what we are doing is we are asking the FDA to mandate that if you have a, a, a box of cheese that you're buying at the store, it ought to at least warn you that it contains reproductive hormones that are increased to cancer mortality. In fact, can I show you this? Sure. Um, uh, Emily and Laura, I don't know if we can zoom in on this a little bit. Um, this is uh, from a 2013 study where researchers looked at women who already had breast cancer. And the question was, do you live or or do you die? Um, And the green bar over here is women who consumed less than a half a serving of high-fat dairy per day. That's butter and cheese, really. The yellow is half to one serving. The red is one or more servings of high-fat dairy per day. Wow. And as you can see, the risk of dying is increased by about 49% for the women who consume high-fat dairy every day. Now, how many women consume cheese every day? A great many. How many of them were ever told by the people making it, that there are estrogens in the cheese. The manufacturers know it. They test for this sometimes. And in the scientific literature, they'll say, well, the cows are, are pregnant when they're milked uh, in most cases. And so the estrogens, of course, get into the milk and they're concentrated in the cheese. Um, do they warn you? Is it anywhere on the label? Is it not. in the ingredients list that you're eating estrogens? No. Um, but the, the uh, while I do think we need more research on this, uh, to be clear about it, I, I really feel that uh, if a woman has been diagnosed with breast cancer, the optimal amount of dairy products you should eat, and animal products in general, is zero. Mm. If a woman has not been diagnosed with breast cancer, the ideal amount of dairy products or animal products in general is zero. Right. Yeah, well, it seems to you, make sense. You to want me. to get, get away from these things. Yeah, it, absolutely. And uh, I actually have the verbiage that, that we are proposing is, is put on the labels. It says, quote, dairy cheese contains reproductive hormones that may increase breast cancer mortality risk. And it seems, you know, just as you were explaining there, it seems to make all the sense in the world when you take a second, you actually, of course there would be hormones in cheese. Of course there absolutely would. But it's just not top of mind. I also think it goes back to what we were taught as children is that, you know, Milk is part of a healthy diet. You need it to you, you need that calcium for big strong bones and so you you ingrain that in a child early in life. Of course they're not going to be thinking about that when they reach for that block of cheddar. Well, you do need calcium. Uh but calcium of course is an element in the earth that gets into green plants. And so if you eat the green plants themselves, broccoli is not 
pregnant when you eat it, sure. um, you are not going to get uh, – you just to be scientific about it, um, you're not going to get any estrogens out of broccoli or kale or Brussels sprouts. Um, but if instead the green plants are grass and it goes into a cow's body, the cows are artificially inseminated annually and their pregnancy, their, their gestation is about nine months. And they're milked during that time. Right. Uh, or not all, not all of it, but, but much of it. Um, and so most of the cartons of milk and most of the blocks of cheese you buy um, came from milk from a pregnant cow. Right. Um, by the way, can I show you one more diagram, if, uh, you, don't, if you don't mind? Absolutely. Just really quick. Um, this is an Australian study where they looked at women who avoided milk um, and compared them to women who consume milk. And they looked at estradiol. Estradiol is the main estrogen in women prior to menopause. And the first bar, the green bar here, is women who consumed no dairy products. The other bars are larger amounts over the course of the week. And what you can see is if a woman is avoiding dairy products, the amount of estradiol is, is at a healthier level. And if, if dairy is part of your routine, it's much higher. Again, top of mind, you know, a pack of cigarettes didn't always come with a warning label either. So, you know, this is this is a first step here. I think that it's the right step. It's an important step. And of course, there are other issues. People get a little hooked on cheese. Uh, they may feel the risk is worth taking or that the risk is not real, whatever. But if they have never been told this, they, they can't make a decision. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this is about. Do you worry that... Uh, I, I think that, of course, there is the, the marketing aspect to it and wanting to make money. But Overall, I think that the, the message is good. You know, nobody here is saying that breast cancer is a good thing. You know, we all want to fight against breast cancer. Like, are, are you worried that when we kind of talk about this and, and we shed a little truth there that people might get a little bit critical of, of, of our message? Um, for, you know, I th- yes. I, I think that people who have promoted Breast Cancer Awareness Month have by and large been well-meaning people. They've wanted to make sure that that the message gets out there. They care about this. Many have had family members uh, touched by this condition. Um, (laughs) Most all of us have had cancer in our families or in ourselves. So people want to take action. Um, However, there has been a major shift, uh, and that is instead of just finding cancer and treating it and finding it and treating it and finding it and treating it, people have said, stop it. Don't just watch and wait. Mm-hmm. Let's let's tackle this darn thing before it happens. And, and if you if you think of your seven year old daughter or your you know your twenty you know your twenty year old spouse whatever you're thinking, do I just want you to find your cancer one day on a mammogram? Right. Well, I'd rather you never have cancer on your mammogram. And so that's why prevention is so important. Treatment is important. Screening is important in certain con- contexts. It has to be done smartly, but uh, there's nothing like prevention. Uh, if you have a question for Dr. Barnard, go ahead and post it in the comment section below. Before we wrap up the video, we will get to as many of them as possible. I know that they're starting to line up now, so definitely start typing your questions below. Um, you mentioned the prevention before we start taking questions, and I wanted to ask you again about soy. We're going to be speaking with uh, our wonderful uh, dietitian, Lee Crosby, from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. She'll be on the show later this month right. uh, talking about soy. But one of the things that I don't think a lot of people know is just how powerful soy can be for a woman in adolescence and how that sets her up for a healthier um, or a lower risk of cancer later in life. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, it's an important issue, Chuck, because many people have imagined that soy causes cancer or increases. Yes. Uh, If you you ask your average person, um, they've been been reading on the Internet that maybe soy increases cancer risk. It actually has the opposite effect, and that's important. Can I walk you through this just just real quick? Absolutely. Um, Soy products have what are called isoflavones. And isoflavones, in certain cases, do attach to the estrogen receptor in the body. And so that led people to think, well, it must drive cancer. Except when you actually looked at women who had quite wide variations in their soy intake. I'm talking about, say, Asian-American women or Mm -hmm. or Asian women, where they might eat phenomenal amounts of tofu and soy milk and miso and that kind of thing. You compare them with women who eat little or, or none. You see this amazing thing, that the more soy products women would eat, the lower their breast cancer risk. And if they would eat the most, their breast cancer risk was about 30% less on average compared to others. Some studies have shown even more of a protective factor, but 30% will take it. Um, And then when you look at women who consume the most soy after diagnosis with breast cancer, if, if they had breast cancer 
already, those who consumed the most soy, again, had about a 30% reduction in the likelihood of recurrence or, or mortality. So soy does not cause cancer. It, it reduces the risk, and it also reduces the risk of dying. So back to where we started, if soy attaches to estrogen receptors, doesn't that mean it would cause cancer? And a good analogy is your car. You're in your car, and you put your foot down really hard. What happens? Does it go? Well, wait a minute. You got two pedals oh, in your car. Touche, sir. Um, touche. You've got a gas pedal. Right next to it is the brake. The brake. And if you put soy is the brake. Right. Um, it, it appears to shut down that estrogenic activity in a useful way. Ah, I like the analogy. Okay. So um, I'm, let me say a word to all those well-meaning, ill-informed oncologists out there who are telling women after diagnosis, uh, I don't know a lot about diet. We don't get taught that in medical school. But if I were you, I, I, I read in a magazine somewhere that you shouldn't have soy. And I, I, I In a you. magazine. Well, that's where many doctors get their nutrition <laughs> education. Uh, what, what, what I mean is that a, a lot of not very well-educated Physicians yeah. have been telling women this nonsense, and yet it, the, the science is not even debatable. It's really clear and very consistent that soy reduces cancers. Now, you don't have to have soy. It's totally optional. This is A plant-based diet is not the soybean cheerleading club. Um, there are many healthy foods to eat, but soy is handy, and it, if, if anything, it reduces cancer risk. Uh, before we take questions, I guess my final question to you is right now, one in every eight women in their lifetime will be diagnosed with breast cancer. If we put that focus on prevention and not just treatment, we try to be proactive about this, how much lower do you think we can get that number? One in eight is very high right now. Have you sat oh, back and, and thought about this? Well, yeah. Um, we, we, what we need is for time to go backward. Um, if you went back a couple of decades, it was one in 14. If you went back further than that, the, the numbers were, were progressively better and better and better if you could go in reverse. That's what we need to do. It, it's not that there has been a genetic change uh, in our population. It's, there's been a change in our diet where cheese intake was less than four pounds per person per year. Right. In 1909, when the USDA started tracking, now it's 34, 35, 36, uh, above that for many people. Um, you're taking estrogens with every bite. Now, uh, cheese is not the only contributor to this, uh, in my view, um, but uh, it does seem to be one. Well, speaking uh, about uh, – we, we talked about mammograms a little bit earlier. Um, Heather wants to know, do you personally, do you recommend mammograms for women? Um, I, it depends on how old you are. It depends on your, your health and your family history. So that's something where there has been a lot written and discussed on that, and I'm going to leave that between uh, the patient and her physician. Um, but the one thing I would do, um, make sure you plug in our four steps, um, and you'll see them at the, our website. Let's Let, Beat Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let's Beat Breastcancer.org. That's it. Let's Beat Breast Cancer. So fi uh, screening and so forth is, is important, but risk reduction is really, really key. Step one, plant-based diet. Plant-based diet has fiber. Fiber helps you to eliminate excess estrogens. A plant-based diet is lower in fat. Fat boosts estrogens. Uh, we don't really know why, but it does. And so when you're getting a lot of fiber and not much fat, estrogen levels come down to the more healthy level. Um, exercise uh, helps. Uh, the more vigorous, the better. Uh, it's an immune strengthener. Mm -hmm. Helps you knock out cancer cells. Alcohol, um, the less, the better. Zero is ideal. Um, why is that? And I hate to sound like a party pooper, but the fact of the matter is alcohol can cause DNA damage. It also interferes with a B vitamin called folate. Folate as in foliage, as in green leafy vegetables. Um, foliage gives you folate, this B vitamin, which is a, a DNA repair mechanism. Think of folate as going in your body, looking for little chinks in your DNA, fixing them. When people drink uh, alcohol, it breaks up their folate and makes it harder to repair. Um, some people feel that alcohol even has a hormonal effect of its own. And, and the last thing is um, weight management. And I do not suggest starving yourself thin or ketoing your way thin or any of those things because they do more harm than good. But on a healthy plant-based diet, that's a way to get thin in a healthy way. And the beauty of that is that fat cells, fat cells in your body produce estrogens. So if we reduce our fat layer, we're 
we're getting healthy in many, many ways, but one way is that we're reduce, reducing the amount of estrogen that our bodies are cranking out. By the way, this is also true for men. Ah. For all the men who think, where did these band boobs come from? Um, they came from all the cheese you were eating that made you fat, and now that that extra amount of fat tissue produces estrogens that affect your body. You know what I like about those guidelines that, that you just outlined and we have up on letsbeatbreastcancer.org? If you do the first three and you come to that fourth one, healthy weight, it just kind of magically happens, you know? It just really does. And, and that's the cool thing. And I'll tell you what else I really like. So if you go to letsbeatbreastcancer.org, you can take the pledge and say, I pledge to follow these four guidelines. I pledge to fight breast cancer. And when you do that, you get this free e-cookbook from Dr. Christy Funk, who is phenomenal. She's, she's really doing a great job helping us with this campaign. The recipes in there, many of which contain soy, are out of this world. Uh, Lee Crosby and I did a segment at the, one of the local TV stations here in Washington, D.C. this week, and we sampled a lot of those recipes. And even the non-plant-based eaters on set there – they just gobbled this down like right. they were going out of style. So good. So good. I really want to tip my hat to Christy Funk and all that she has done. She was on Good Morning America on October 1st and really knocked it out of the park. She really makes the message very clear. And her book, uh, Breasts and Owner's Manual, I, I have to say, <laughs> if, they, if they could give an award for the best title of any book, uh, that would be it. It's um, very well written and very um, both informative and really encouraging. I asked her about that title, and she said, I, I did that because it's so important with such a heavy topic that you approach it with a little bit of humor and, and, and some levity to it, and it makes all right. the difference in the world in the spirits of the of the patient. Uh, it, that really is the way Christy approaches her work and in such an encouraging um, and yet really smart way. Yeah. Uh, question from uh, Kim, talking so much about soy. She wants to know what type of soy is good. Does it have to be organic? Oh, great question. Um, it... I have not seen studies that have really shown whether in, uh, organic or not organic soy has a better effect on uh, cancer endpoints. However, um, there's no reason to get soy products that are not organic. Um, a lot of soy products can be GMO, genetically modified organisms. They're, when I, whenever I go home to North Dakota, where I was raised, as far as the eye can see, <laughs> it's soybean fields, non-organic GMO that no human is ever going to eat. It's cattle feed. Right. And it's chicken feed and it's hog, hog feed. Um, so if you buy, if you're looking for organic soy, the beauty of it is it, by law it cannot be GMO. So if you go to the store and you pick up organic tofu or a carton of organic soy milk, by law it will not be genetically modified. So um, the answer to your question is, yeah, go organic. Uh, should you avoid soy if you have hypothyroidism? That one's from Linda. Ah, wonderful question. Uh, the short answer is no. Um, researchers have to have tried to look at uh, links between thyroid uh, conditions and soy. Probably the the only real uh, connection that I think is pretty well supported is that if you're taking thyroid medication, you're hypothyroid now and you're taking thyroid medication to supplement yourself, um, many foods will interfere with the absorption of that. So you should take that medication on an empty stomach. If you're taking it with your soy ice cream, it's going to reduce the absorption. Question from Joan. This is an interesting one. Are there any supplements that those of us who are breast cancer survivors should avoid? Supplements to avoid. Supplements to avoid. Um, well, first of all, which supplements do you really need? Let, let, let's put it that way. Um, number one, uh, B12, because you're on a vegan diet and you should have B12. But I want to tell you, a lot of times you go to the store and the B12 pills are much much more concentrated in B12 than the 2.4 micrograms that your body actually needs each day. They'll have 500 or 5,000 micrograms. Mm -hmm. And I used to say that I think it doesn't matter because these huge, huge amounts, your body will just eliminate them. That's probably true. But some, there have been some whispers in the scientific community that maybe less is better um, down to a point. You, you need your RDA but these boatloads of, of high B12 you probably don't need. Uh, vitamin D uh, normally comes from the sun. If you're indoors all day long, you should take vitamin D. Uh, most doctors would say 2,000 IUs a day is what you, you need. That's really kind of it. Um, I would not take beta carotene. Uh, beta carotene in pill form has been shown to increase cancer risk. Beta carotene is 
something that you, your body turns into vitamin A, that's good, but you should get it in carrots mm. or sweet potatoes or green leafy vegetables have a lot of it too. So get beta carotene from food, not from pills. The reason for that is when you take a concentrated dose of beta carotene, it interferes with your absorption of the other carotenoid cousins. Question from... A oh, I'm sorry. One other thing. Vita vitamin E, same story. Okay. Uh, there's vitamin E in nuts and in seeds. Fine. A little bit, maybe an ounce a day. Fine. If you're taking vitamin E pills, that can interfere with your absorption of other forms of vitamin E. Elizabeth is writing in, what do you think about 5K runs and walks for breast cancer? She said she's running her first 5K soon and would love to wear something promoting Breast Cancer Prevention Month. Well, that's great. Do we have T-shirts that we that we have on Let's Let's Beat Breast Cancer? We we do, Elizabeth. So if you send me a message uh, over either on my Facebook page or Twitter or Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC, I will make sure that we send you a T-shirt for our Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign that you can wear. That's lovely. And while you're at it, you're getting one of our four steps in, which is lacing up your sneakers and getting good, vigorous exercise. Um, and if a person is not up for running a whole 5K or a 10K or whatever, whatever you can do is great. So th thank you for that question. That's really lovely. And final question comes from Jessica. Have you studied if dairy increases the risk for childhood cancers? I have not. I don't know if it increases the risk of childhood cancers. It's um, a really good question. Um, most cancers, of course, they, they are more common as the years go by, mm -hmm. which is why uh, with breast cancer, it is most common in women after the age of menopause, although it does occur prior to menopause, of course, but it's much more common after menopause. Whether dairy is linked to, to cancers prior to prior to adulthood, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. It's a good question. That'd be interesting. To, All right. To no, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Let me, let me see what I can find. Absolutely. Uh, well, why don't we you know, wrap this up so you can go look that up? How about that? Uh, Dr. Neil Barnard, thank you so very much for your time. As always, you've been so gracious on such a, a just ridiculously busy week here, but we have a ridiculously busy month to continue here with the Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign. So thank you so very much for carving out some well, time. I want to thank you, Chuck. I also want to thank um, Allison Mahoney, and I want to thank the Greg Ryder Memorial Fund for helping us to to bring this life-saving work to people. As, you, as everybody, I think, knows we're a nonprofit. We're not selling things. Uh, we're out here trying to provide good information to help people, and I'm very grateful to those who have made this possible. And you can check that out at uh, the Gregory Ryder Fund at uh, Gregory Ryder, R E I T E R, fund.org. Phenomenal organization, do a lot with animal welfare as well. So, I mean, just really, just phenomenal, phenomenal people. Dr. Neil Barnard, thank you so much. Thank you, Chad. The bottom line is that we can do better. As more eyes are opened, we're seeing steps being taken in healthier directions. Again, nobody is saying that the majority of marketing with ties toward raising funds and awareness for breast cancer research are ill-intentioned. These come from a good place. We all want to help, right? But this conversation is about looking at things differently. Research for treatment is, in fact, critically important. It is critically important. But I think the real message here is that we should be focusing more of our time, our effort, and our energy into preventing breast cancer so that we can spare so many from facing a battle for their life. The Physicians Committee's Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign wouldn't be possible without the support of our partners like Food for Life Baking Company, bringing people together with high-quality, organic, and non-GMO sprouted breads like their popular high-fiber Ezekiel bread. Look for them in the frozen section of your local grocer or online at foodforlife.com. Also, Fruitive, a plant-based and organic fast casual restaurant proudly serving sustainable meals in Washington, D.C., Virginia Beach, and Norfolk, Virginia. The restaurant lives by the motto, live your health. Browse their menu online at fruitive.com. That's F-R-U-I-T-I-V-E. 
www.kateformsmedia.com. And Kate Farms, innovators within the plant-based formula space. Their nutrient profile is both healthful and organic. Kate Farms lovingly crafted a plant-based tube-feeding formula that can support nutrient needs for many conditions. View their full lineup of products at katefarms.com. Dr. Christy Funk is next up in the exam room. She's here to focus on the first of our four-step process to beating breast cancer. And that first step is eating a plant-based diet. Why is it that the nutrients in plants unlock such powerful cancer-fighting potential? As you'll hear, they help with weight loss since they're lower in calories and high in fiber. And about that fiber... Well, a diet that's high in it and low in fat can reduce estrogen levels. And in turn, lower estrogen levels can lower your risk of cancer. Here now with that and a lot more is Dr. Christy Funk. Continuing to take a look at our Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign here at the Physicians Committee, a four-pronged approach for things that women and men should be doing to lower their risk of developing the disease, things that they should be doing if they've unfortunately been diagnosed. And with that, uh, we're going to welcome to talk about each one of these four prongs. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Christy Funk. She is the author of Breasts, the Owner's Manual. Thank you so very much for joining us again. Thanks for having me here. Uh, the first prong in our four-pronged approach is choosing plant-based foods. Really should come as no surprise here at the Physicians Committee that that would be at the top of the list. But, I mean, break it down for us. Why is a plant-based diet so important here? Every time you chew and swallow, you're not thinking about it probably, but what you're doing is you're releasing a litany of compounds into your bloodstream that then flies around your entire cellular organism creating what we call a cell's microenvironment. So if you take a cancer cell, that microenvironment consists of the fluids in the cells that it's bathing in. And depending on what you just chewed and swallowed, that bath is either screaming out pro-cancer or anti-cancer. And the foods that scream out anti-cancer the loudest and with total consistency come from plants. So whenever you eat plants, that microenvironment now takes away what cancer requires in order to continue to survive, to multiply, divide, form a wad, and then escape out into a metastatic location. When you eat plants, that tumor environment literally has compounds that are anti-estrogenic. And since estrogen fuels 80% of breast cancers, you're just taking away its main source of food. And it's anti-growth hormone. So the growth hormone creates a lot of the inflammation and the free radical formation that also is required for that microenvironment to feed a cancer. But you take it away with plants. One critical thing you take away is the formation of new blood vessels. So plants are anti-angiogenic. They actually stop this cancer cell's ability to feed itself with new blood vessels that form to it. That's why as a surgeon, we know very well when we're getting near the tumor, if we're doing a lumpectomy, because things start to bleed more. There's just more blood flow around that cancer than there is anywhere else in the tissue. But you stop that with plants. You quell free radicals. You decrease inflammation. And when you eat animals, you're doing the exact opposite. You're bumping up all of those tumor microenvironment requirements for cancer to thrive. So you want to eat in a way that consistently and loudly shouts out, anti-cancer. And what does that the loudest is a plant. So plant is kind of a weird word because I think many people conjure up thinking like a giraffe and chomping on a leaf, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Plants are all the beautiful array of fruits that you find. I mean, just go into your produce department and the grocery store. We had, we'd like to say you hang around the periphery of the store more because in the center is all the packaged processed foods with refined sugars and things that Preserve the food, but don't preserve you. So you want to hang out where the produce is. And you're talking all the apples and oranges and then berries and fruits that you would love in season or not. Frozen berries actually pack a slightly more powerful anti-cancer punch than fresh. 
Wow. It's been for the ages, yes. And that's because the freezing process um, more readily releases the cancer-fighting polyphenols from the berries than when you have to consume it, then your body has to do more work to get to the polyphenol activity. Yes, so I always throw frozen berries into my hot oatmeal. It cools it just perfectly, and we're ready to eat faster. I mean, that's good news for smoothie enthusiasts, too, I would assume. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. My breast owner's manual has the most powerful antioxidant smoothie recipe on planet Earth, in my own opinion. But I've been perfecting this recipe since 2012, and I've got things in there that you just wouldn't imagine. And it's so easy because it's just – it's like 320 calories total, and you down it for breakfast, and you're kind of – you're not done for the day, but you, you feel good because you already got in your two cups of greens, your two cups of berries, your soy servings, your turmeric with a little pepper to make it more bioavailable – Amla, which very few people know what that is. No, I never even heard of it. So there was this study that looked at, it was 3,100 foods, everything from coconuts to Coca-Cola, and it measured the anti, uh, antioxidant capacity of every food. And the tippity-top, I'm not kidding, 124 times the blueberry, like laughing at the goji berry way down there, was the Indian gooseberry. But we don't live in India, and I don't know where you get gooseberries, so you buy the powdered <laughs> form, Amla. And so you put some amla in that smoothie. Oh my gosh, I love my smoothies. So whole food, plant-based diet is going to really pack a powerful punch against cancer. It may, the, the phytochemicals, the nutrients inside plants, literally have anti-carcinogenic powers, anti-estrogenic powers. They cause cells to do something we call apoptosis, which means cancer cell suicide. It sends a signal to that cell that boop, 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 program cell death, activate. And it just explodes and it's fun. And that actually happens, not a video game. So <laughs> eating plants is important for those reasons. And studies will back up all of this, that people who are higher on fruit and vegetable consumption versus lower exhibit less cancer formation and recurrence and death from breast cancer. And another awesome component to plant foods completely lacking in every animal food is fiber. Right. So when you eat fiber... That releases a litany of vitamins and anti-cancer compounds and it supports and helps immune function. But one of the most important things from my breast cancer perspective uh, that fiber is doing is it is binding to excess estrogen in your GI tract and making you poop it out. So having said that, fiber it up. Now, how much fiber is enough fiber? I want you to strive to consume 30 grams of fiber a day. If you successfully do that, guess how much you drop breast cancer risk? 50% in half. By half. Wow. And if you only reach half and you have 15 grams of fiber a day, that decreases it by 15%. But strive for 30. Um, literally, 97% of Americans do not get 30 grams of fiber a day. So you and I, my friends, will be in the 3%. And the main sources of fiber are still so awesome and delicious. So your lentils, beans, peas, um, have 15 grams of fiber per cup. So one cup, you're halfway there for the day. An avocado, I'm from California, so we're like guacamole freaks. But Gotta have it. Gotta have it. The avocados, which are many people know are a very healthy source of omega-3 fatty acids, have 13.5 grams of fiber per avocado. So wow. that's another awesome one. The raspberry of all the berries has the most fiber, 8 grams for a cup. So boom, 8 grams in my smoothie and then another cup of berries. And I mean, it's just so – if you focus on it, it's really easy to get 30 grams of fiber a day. So th 30 grams and I assume kind of the more the merrier, you know. I think that that's kind of the goal around the office here. You know, it's like a competition up on the board. Who eat the most fiber today, you know. Well, but, you might uh, be able to just know by smelling. <laughs> I have my own office, so I'm blessed in that regard. <laughs> that is very lucky for everybody else. Like everybody else is blessed in that regard. Hey, 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 hey. It's yeah, not so me. Little, little tips and tricks for everybody out there about farting. Because um, fiber does – so basically the – this will shock you. The main source of gas, 80% of all the gas that you fart out all day long, and everybody toots, even animals do it, and it's like 25 times or more a day. Um, the main source, though, get this. You're not going to believe it. Swallowed air. No. Yeah. So you just don't think of swallowing air because it's not like you're gulping down air, but when you take a spoonful of rice, there's air between the little pieces of rice when you get a fork full of salad there's a bunch of air between the lettuce and the 
carrot. And basically, we as Americans generally chomp, chomp, swallow, chomp, chomp, swallow. So we swallow down all that air. But if you just put down the fork and spend some time actually chewing that food to a puree substance, now the air will not be there and you'll swallow it down. So you're going to swallow less air and offend those around you less. And then the other, the um, I think it's like a microcellulose lacing around the beans. Like basically if you're cooking from dry beans, you just want to make sure you soak them overnight, minimum of eight hours. You're going to get rid of the lectins and you're also going to get rid of one of the reasons in the cellulose part that is causing excess gas. Um, but yeah, so those are some tips for you. And obviously start small. If you're completely new to eating beans, don't go for the cup a day. I mean, you're just going to bend over in gas pain for mm. hours. So mm. start small with one or two tablespoons a day. And then in a week or two, make it three or four tablespoons. And you know, you'll learn which foods. Some people are really sensitive to, to, um, uh, lentils and that makes them bloat mightily. So avoid the lentils for like, just, Play with it a bit, but be treat yourself kindly. If if you've been having one or two grams of fiber a day, don't go to 30 tomorrow. You will be in pain, and you won't want to continue that strategy. So I want you to like eating this way. So just a couple of tablespoons of beans if you're new to you. I think I need to get you on a show with uh, Lee Crosby, a wonderful dietitian that we have upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center, frequent guest on the show. I call her the fiber queen. Like I, Her license plate should say fiber. She needs a crown and a scepter because this girl is all about some fiber. And then listen to you just spit that fiber knowledge and those gassy tips. I think <laughs> that 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 is the show of all shows, right? That's a show we should take on the road, Dr. Funk. All right. Me and Lee, I love it. <laughs> uh, speaking of on the road, you have a heck of a summit coming up next year in April, the Cancer Kicking Summit. That's a great uh, opportunity for listeners and viewers to go out on the road and join you there. Talk to me a little bit about this. Yes. So the Cancer Kicking Summit is in April 2020. And it is at the gorgeous Oceanfront Terranea Resort in Palos Verdes. For those of you who can't travel, I really want to see you there, but there will be a live streaming option as well. However, if you come with me, you will be in this room of high energy, really excited women and probably a few good men who want to come with me into this deep dive into the soil of your life to really get dirty in there and understand what you need to change in terms of your thinking and your doing and your eating and your not eating and you're loving and you're stressing to live the most bountiful, fruitful, 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 the most bountiful, <laughs> fruitful life possible. I mean, one that you really never even dare dream or imagine, thinking you didn't deserve it or you could never achieve it. And that is simply a false mindset that we're going to break through on hour one. So right. join me there. I'd love to see you. And we're offering a special discount code for PCRM listeners. And the code is PCRM. So... Sign up and see you then. Pinklotus.com slash summit is the website to go to register, I do believe. Yes, thank you. And uh, and that positive outlook, I think that that's so important, whether we're talking about cancer or anything else in life. I think that that's just a critical component of overall health is just how you're kind of viewing the world and how you're, you're choosing to live your life. Absolutely. Dr. Christy Funk, pick up her book. It is a must-read breasts, the owner's manual. Uh, thank you very much. Can't wait to talk to you again next week. Okay, see you then. Let's beat breastcancer.org. That is where you can go to take the pledge to follow all four steps to lowering your risk of developing breast cancer. Eating a plant-based diet, that is just the first step. And so you will also be pledging to exercise regularly and cutting back on alcohol and maintaining a healthy weight. And when you take that pledge, you will also get the Let's Beat Breast Cancer e-cookbook. And this thing is filled with delicious plant-based recipes that will knock your socks off and fight cancer. The lasagna in there, by the way, is unlike anything that you have ever tasted in your entire life. So good. And Dr. Funk, she says that her antioxidant smoothie recipe has the most cancer-kicking compounds found in one single glass of goodness anywhere on earth. 
<laughs> Coming up on the show next week, you will hear the story of Jennifer Hill, a former athlete who was diagnosed with breast cancer and then channeled all of the fire and the passion that she took with her on the field. She then put that into the fight for her life and she armed herself with plants. They told me on the phone and of course had prompt had a panic attack for a little bit and then tried to figure out what we can do. And for me, a lot of it immediately turned to what can I do in addition to the chemos and the things that they were talking about? What adjuvant uh, therapies can I do? Um, Natural-wise, food-wise, those types of things. And it was a struggle for a while. What can I eat? What can I do? Sure. How can I how can I outlive this, basically? Generally, I'm not one that gets afraid of too much of anything, but that one, this really did me in for a while, mentally, mm. too. And the more I was having trouble with nutrition and things, the more the mental part got even worse. And, you know, to have no history of it, and I'm adopted as well, so I don't really know, you know, what the history was. So I don't know where this came from. I don't know how I got it. I've lived a relatively healthy life, and... So it was just panic. It's like, what else can I do differently? I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do any of these things. What am I doing wrong? Well, how did you turn that corner? What was your release? It's going to sound so canned, and I mean it as sincerely as I possibly can. Gratefulness is the best medicine. Everything I could be grateful for, I was. Everything I could be thankful for, I was. If there was something that I was just really angry about, I'd have. To, I would force myself to think about something different. I had friends that sent me cards. I made a wall. I, we called it my wall of thankfulness because literally everything we got, we tacked up on the wall. Cards, pictures, whatever. And people, your friends, they want to know. You may not want to tell them, but they want to know. And if you involve them and let them see that you, you need the support. That's next week on the show, so make sure that you subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts and wherever the finest shows are available. Please also give the show a five-star rating because when you do, you are helping us reach as many people as possible with this life-saving information. The higher our rankings, the more eyes and the more ears will hear and see this. And your help with that five-star rating, it goes a long way to help making that happen. If you have any questions that you would like to have answered on the show, please don't ever hesitate to ask. We're online. We're everywhere. On Twitter, at Chuck Carroll, WLC, and at PCRM. You can also shoot us a message on the gram, that's Instagram, at Chuck Carroll, WLC, and at Physicians Committee. My thanks again to Drs. Neil Barnard and Christy Funk for joining us this week. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based and let's beat breast cancer. <laughs> <laughs>